All right, welcome to another episode of Victory, the podcast. I'm Doug Ellen. I'm Kevin Dillon. Victory! Oh, oh my God, I did a really tough, oh, that was a hard one. Irish crickets. Why was it hard? <laughs> I mean, I just, it just like, I popped it. I wanted to, I want to get that, that flavor sound. It's, it's hard opening a beer can. <laughs> no, but, it's, but, but you can control the, <laughs> you know, a good workout program will get that beer can opening real quick for you, Kevin. So yeah, get you to the gym. What is up, guys? What's up there, Doug? How you doing? I'm doing really good. There's lots of good stuff to talk about. I'm actually like on day nine of no sugar added diet. I'm down nine pounds. Dude, I I don't think I could ever do that. I love sugar too much. I am telling you, I'm a sugar addict. I'm the type of guy, which, by the way, Heather Andelsman, who's here, just brought some Hanukkah gelt to all of us. Mm -hmm. That's Hanukkah, Kevin Conley. I love it. Hanukkah coins. What do you call it? Gelt. 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 So, but I honestly, this is something I could eat. 50 of these in a sitting and i'm not exaggerating and right now after nine days i'm not even craving them so i'm i love them. how long are you gonna do the no sugar thing are I'm, you just trying to like l- lean out a little bit and- it, it wasn't really it was more about a health thing it was a 14 day challenge and the first three days were honestly like i felt like a heroin addict i'm like thinking about everything all of course, the time sarah's got to be around yeah, you I was right gonna now say, i'm sure you're a real charmer those first couple <laughs> sarah's days. losing it and i'm honestly i'm ready for it to end i got uh, my geo antico pizza is waiting i got delicious chocolate chip cookies and and dr sheikah's brownies they're all waiting for me for when this is over but right now wait, wait, you said pizza pizza, pizza. Does, doesn't have sugar uh a lot of the dough has some added, really? added sugar and sometimes in tomato sauce they put added sugar so if yeah, it's all my natural mom, my mom did yeah what about red wine does red wine count? that that's natural so um I, i'm just not i know i haven't been drinking a lot of wine i haven't been drinking at all to be honest with you i've been on the edibles which i've been off the edibles because there's sugar in the fucking edible oh so my god here, um, have some Irish crickets. Come yeah. on now. <laughs> so, but anyway, I've been going no added sugar. The first three days were terrible. It now feels good, and good things are coming. Connolly, after your challah, we got the Bagel Boss in New York sent you a challah really? to my house, so I'm going to bring that to you so you can actually. What? I don't get any? Uh, you guys could split it. Wait a second. So the one thing that I actually want got delivered to your house. All yeah. your other shit gets sent here, <laughs> like a fucking PO box. It's weird. Box is Con- a shit in the back room with your name on it, Doug. Connolly is very upset because this office has sort of become like it's sort of become like a second home. So I I have my mail come here. You do. Dylan has left his cornhole boards here and for I hear weeks. You're cornhole a boards. Upset about go. that, Doug. The cornhole boards? I'm getting them out today. Today, they got to go. I hear you're a little upset about the cornhole boards. So what happened with, (laughs) and this great combination in Chicago made these amazing cornhole boards. Of course, I love this podcast so much, but I'm going to be honest with you. Like, so far, it's costing me a fortune. So anyway, Dylan, (laughs) Dylan really broke the bank. Connolly said, look, Dylan deserves the cornhole boards. He's really going to use them. You're not. And then He's I got went, a point there. He has a point, but then I and went it's home. it's your likeness on it as well. It is my face. It is your face. You deserve it. But then I went home and I'm like, you know what? I really want them. And I called him up and, and the guy was telling me, look, it, there's a lot of man hours that go into that. It's a beautiful Labor. thing. So I'm like, let me, let me just buy it. Then he threw on some bells and whistles. Mine's going to blow what yours bells, away. What? Whistles? What? Like what? Oh, no. I got a light that lights up the hole so oh, I can, I can toss lighting. my bags. I got upgraded bean bags. Is it LED lighting in your cornhole? I'm now not, I'm pissed. Yeah, you're gonna <laughs> want mine, so I'll sell you mine for a thousand. I paid eight hundred. I'll sell it to. But I mean, I got upgraded bean bags. I don't know if they're more balanced for well, my throw or what. You know, the real bean bags. They have one side that's got a little more friction and will stop quicker, oh, and then you have a slippery side where you could. You know, push the other bags. So you have an option. That's yeah, a you have strategy options. move. I like it. Okay, but by the way, Kevin, I know you're jumping in here. Just exactly what Dylan is saying here is why you deserve the boards. And <laughs> I'm not. Worse. I'm not being funny. And I, I, I'm sorry because I get so many DMs. But someone from like the professional cornhole league DM'd me and said like. They somehow want you involved on something. They ESPN want you to compete on ESPN. They want me involved. Do you know this? I saw. I saw th- Dylan. They want you to compete in cornhole on ESPN. I'll do it. Uh, <laughs> You'd probably be good. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty good. Some of my buddies are better. I'm not going to lie. Chris Chelios is a really good player. And some He's of the other guys. Got five Stanley Cups. Yeah, Chris Chelios, yeah. Hall of Fame <laughs> hockey player, one of the best He's really ever. Good. But yeah, I'm so not he's bad. More, I actually had to get good because at one stage they didn't want to play with me. I wasn't good enough to play with the big boys. Really? So I are you made now? my own cornhole set. 
Yeah, I can play with them now. Now, Kev, will you protect these cornhole boxes? Like when it, it rains, do you do you put them yes. in? Do you cover them? You have to, right? You yeah, take I take them inside. Now, by the way, uh, I'm getting covers with mine too. Waterproof what? covers. Yeah. Well, so, no, look, double in all seriousness, you should order a set of covers. By the way, I'll pay oh, for yeah. Dylan's covers. Oh, you'll pay for the covers. Yeah, yes. I will. Okay. I'll pay for Dylan's covers. <laughs> you know what? I I don't mind. T- I have these sheds that I built around the house, and uh, I just put them in there. It's fine. All right. No, well, but let's get you some covers anyway. I'll get you the I'm covers. Not gonna so, you know, I'm, I'm, Yo, before I forget, I got to tell you this. Doug, I mean, I, I guess I have to talk to you about this, Dylan. I guess so. Well, so before you guys came in today, I had a Zoom call about possibly doing a podcast with Johnny Bananas. <laughs> okay. Oh, the guy who sued us? The guy who sued us. <laughs> the guy yeah. who sued us and ruined our whole story. We were going to do a whole uh, well, show about it. Well, he said he played in that golf tournament with you last week in San Diego. <laughs> he didn't mention space. the Johnny Bananas yes, thing. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. I'm like, yeah, that that was too obscure. I'm sure he just probably wasn't paying attention I to it. I thought he was just joking around about it. That, that oh, you remember it? I, yeah, I remember him saying something. So, yeah. So, right. Johnny so just, Bananas. Well, let me just set the stage. I didn't, he didn't tell me he was the guy who sued us and stopped the show from happening. Let me set the stage so everybody understands. I created a character called Johnny Bananas that was going to be Kevin Dillon as an angry gorilla in a cartoon. I swear to you on my life, I've never heard of this Johnny Bananas at the time, 10 years ago, 12 years ago, whatever it was. The next thing I know, I'm, we're getting a lawsuit that's telling us to cease and desist with this character. Now, I found it hilariously funny because I just thought it was stupid. And I'm not even... I. You maybe remember being better than me. I don't even remember it affecting us at all. I ignored it as I remember, but uh, well, because he was suing HBO, he wasn't suing you, Doug, or you, Kevin, or me. Yeah, yeah, but we wanted to do a show. Kevin and I wanted to do an actual Johnny Banana show with dice, with dice. and yeah. uh, and I don't know, I don't know exactly what happened. I still, I'm not making fun of him. I hope he's doing great. I still don't know who he is. Like, I don't know who he is. Maybe, I mean, I play golf with him. But you want to hear a funny story? He so at the beginning of the Zoom, he said something along the lines of like, "Look, let's just talk about the elephant in the room." And I was like, uh, you know, I'm like, yo, Doug doesn't care. Kevin doesn't care. Well, you know, I said, I certainly don't give a shit. And he said, well, you know, you walked out of a nightclub one night on TMZ and you told me to fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> what did you say? I don't, do mean? I mean, I vaguely remember. I'm sure I was joking, but apparently I said, fuck that guy or something. Oh, so yeah. they asked about him. TMZ. Yeah, they said, yo, what, what's this? What about Johnny Bananas? I'm like, oh, well, fuck Johnny Bananas. Whatever it was that I said on <laughs> TMZ. He's like, well, I think you were the most mad. I'm like, I don't even remember that. I'm All right. Well, I can tell Johnny Bananas. I have no knowledge of who you are. I wish you nothing but success. If you get into the action park land, which is a fabulous place to host your podcast. God bless, but I don't. I, I I never heard of you when I wrote the thing. It was it was from my head. I thought Dylan would make a fabulous gorilla, and that was <laughs> that was it. And he did, by the way. You don't mind, right? I mean, it could be fun. We'll get him on air. Everybody does does each other's podcasts. So. I, I I support the family. Whatever. Does, we does have he have a big podcast? Does well, he, have he, a lot he of want he. You know, we're talking about doing a podcast, but like, obviously, I'm not gonna. I don't want to do a podcast where he's gonna come in here and there's gonna be bad blood between him and Doug. There, I see. I swear to God, I have no feelings on this whatsoever. Like, zero. Well, it would have been nice to do that show, and we got he stopped it. I don't know. But but also, too, Dylan. Dylan, his name is Johnny Bananas. Like, that's his legal name or what? No, but I'm saying that was his character name. Now, he's not a, just so I'm clear, he's not a gorilla, though, right? No, he is not a gorilla. (laughs) Okay. I'm just making sure. He seemed normal, but he might have been a gorilla. If he gets mad, he turns into a gorilla, but he seemed totally normal today. Whatever. All right. Well, good luck with that. What I want to say about this podcast, and uh, again, thank you to everybody who's like coming in because amazing things are coming to us. I mean, you know, little surprise for you guys, okay, but. Mark Simon, who runs the Four Seasons Maui, reached out to me, who Kevin Connolly and I went there about seven years together and had an amazing time. He's like, what do you guys think about coming here and doing a live podcast from the Four Seasons Maui? Uh, Yeah. So what do you think about that, Connolly? I mean, yeah. I mean, if it gets us to the Four Seasons in Maui. Yeah. uh, I was just in Hawaii, and I'm dying to go back already. It's very low COVID over there, too. You have to get tested before you go. Right. But oh man, I love. I mean, it would be fun. I mean, what about what about Zulai's pregnant? I mean, is that a thing? That's well, the only thing I worry about. We'll figure out everything and make it either safe or we'll wait till where where it is safe. She's, I th- you're okay to travel, right? right? Until I think the very last couple of weeks, right? Okay. So, anyway, yeah, I mean, well, well, like I said, as long as everything's safe and like it sounds like how far COVID, along is she? She's uh, you know fifteen weeks, sixteen. Oh weeks. yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, you're good. We're good. Okay. Yeah. Good to know. And as long as it's safe, yeah, fuck, man. Let's go to Hawaii. Yeah, that sounds great. Yeah. That's a very nice offer. 
Speaking of Hawaii, I mean, uh, we're going to bring Scott Kahn, who is star of Hawaii Five O, and Entourage, of course, on in a little bit. And if we make it to Hawaii, my my boy, who's a pro surfer, Kakoa Casimero, pro surfer, and he offered to to teach us how to surf. So uh, let's do it, all three of us. Do you have any desire to do that? Would you guys do that? I do, big time. I just don't want to do it. I live in Malibu, but the water's freezing here. Right. I'm not a big fan of wetsuits, but I would love to try. I would love to learn to surf. That would be awesome. So, but speaking of the podcast. I don't, I don't think you can just learn how to surf, man. I mean, it sounds fun. Well, an athlete sharks. like me, I'll, I'll get up right away. I'm you guys, I don't, I'm worried about a little bit. I've got good balance. Josh Hartnett, maybe <laughs> more so difficult. Much. So anyway, things are happening and everybody keeps reiterating and reiterating. Are we top 10 yet? No. No, I thought we were kind of working our way up. Into well, the- we were flirting. We were number one in the uh, TV and film department day one. And now we, we, we float in and out of about 11. We go to about 11. So, but we don't we're have in a good spot. We're in a we're real good spot. spot, but it's growing. But as for Kevin Dillon's purposes, it's growing because this reboot talk is legitimately now nonstop. So just so everyone understands. This week, I'm getting call after call after call from people in Hollywood who, you know, producers, Tyler Thompson, who's made Black Swan, Rush, Chicago 7, and 50 other movies, Black Mass. He's like, how do we get the rights to this thing? So people are starting to call. Now, HBO hasn't called yet. We got to call them. Mark Wahlberg hasn't called yet. So maybe, that's your key right there. So maybe Kevin Dillon, you're going to have to go Mark get around. Wahlberg. All right, let's get Mark. Yeah, Mark's our guy. Well, I'm saying it, it doesn't happen without Mark saying, let's do it. It just yeah. doesn't. Yeah. Well, I mean, it could, but no, Mark could be the quickest way. If Mark way Wahlberg in. doesn't want it to happen, he Well, there's, he there's, controls, no, there's right? no reason Mark would, wouldn't want it to happen. Yeah. So it's a well, question he, of we need a him friend on board. And he's, yeah, yeah, we want him on board. Yeah. Right. HBO would have to want to do it, put up the money. But anyway, I've been uh, pretty clear that, you know, I, it, it honestly hasn't entered my brain in a long time and and why people are going what's turning now well what's turning now is i love hanging out with these guys scott Kahn's gonna be on later these guys and jerry and emmanuel yep. and constance and janet it's just been, just reminds you how fun the show was and what a great time we had yeah i mean it really so you know whatever happens happens but let's just talk about an entourage moment that oh, goes God. behind the scenes with conley's I got dragged into this golfing buddy okay about 20 years ago, uh, 30 years ago, there's an episode of Larry Sanders, which was very influential on Entourage. It was one of my favorite shows. It was the first real show that showed an inside look at Hollywood. But Dave Chappelle, I believe, was on an episode where he sold the show to the network where he was, I think it was he was going to be in a hip hop band. And the white executives, by the time the episode was over, had turned it into a Seattle grunge rock band show with no black people in it. And <laughs> Chappelle was going to be out. So now... The world has kind of changed where people say things. Entourage is too male-centric. It's too this. So anyway, Connolly's boy calls me up the other day who also represents some people on the show. I won't Connelly's mention him unless... Yeah, we, he's, a, he's a fellow country club Mountain Gate member. <laughs> I enjoy playing golf with him. That I have no problem with him whatsoever, but this call is so absurd and so ridiculous. But he told me that he wants to get this uh, Entourage movie rebooted, and he wants to pair me with a young. Who fe- is this guy? I mean, he's, Colin- a, he's a, listen. He's a he's a he's a he's a high powered manager to, at a at a good place, and he called Doug with an idea. He is a high powered manager. He represents yes, he Christopher is. Case, who I'm doing day ones with out of London. He represents so, a bunch of people. He represents a lot of people anyway, and we like him and we this. But the, the commentary, of this conversation was so ridiculous. He wants to pair me with a young female writer who can help me make my show that I did for 14 <laughs> fucking years play in the current climate of the world. So what are your thoughts on that? wildly offended by this guy who basically... I honestly am not offended. He opened the conversation. He called Doug. Hey, how's it going, handsome? So he <laughs> lost Doug right off the bat. He wow. called him handsome. It's, it felt he like a conversation. He called you Dougie Grams or Dougie IG. Well, That's handsome's your not a terrible you. thing to be called. Dougie I Grams. get it all the it's time, bro. Not the first time I've been called <laughs> handsome. But I mean, the, the thing is, is that it feels like a moment at Entourage. It feels like a Josh Wine. Weinstein call. I have no offense. He's not Josh Weinstein. I was not offended by the call at all. I actually I found mean, it. Comical. Would this girl be? Uh, you would be the boss, and she would be. Nah. Worker. By the way, oh, I, wait, okay. Okay. wait, Connolly, Connolly. How do you not stop at what Dylan just did there? Dylan, he's ready to fucking throw me out for this young female that no, he doesn't no, even no, know. No, 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 no. You would be the boss. You'd have to be the boss. Ish. Yeah. It's your show. Okay. Well, I'll tell you well, what. You I, know, maybe have another voice in there. It wouldn't be a horrible thing. Well, I'll tell you what I got to talk about because, you know, we've talked. Uh, Doug and, didn't like the insinuation 
that he needs help to reboot his own show. That's what you didn't like, right? It's not the it's not the the actual idea. It's the idea that you can't do it alone. Yeah. Again, I don't even give a shit. I found it comically ridiculous. I found it to be a, a Hollywood cliche of silliness. So now, if you really wanted to get real with it, and we were going to get a young female writer, great. You let's would want to pick her out, and you would want to hire pick her out. All now, the I'm going to tell you who I want to pick out. Because she's a hot, young female writer. And I've listened to this, this woman, for some reason, has this anti-entourage sentiment for years, okay? You know who this Mindy Kaling is, this big star? You know who she is? I am familiar with the name. I do not know, I don't know a bunch about Mindy her Kaling was on The Office, and I guess she's got the Mindy Kaling show on now, which, honestly, I didn't know about. But, you know, when the Entourage movie opened up, and listen, I'll say this to you, Mindy Kaling. Greg Silverman, the president of Warner Brothers, said, see these test scores? Frame them because you're, you're never going to see ones this good again. That's how well the movie tested before mm-hmm. it was released to the public. Now, the backlash came in. The reviews weren't good. It didn't make a ton of money, blah, blah, blah. We all know the history. But I remember waking up that day and Mindy Kaling, big star of The Office. Who, Do you know Mindy? Like, have you met her at like, I, functions or I've whatnot? never met her, but we have lots of mutual people because i know lots of people from the office and we have lots of directors that worked on entourage who worked on the office producers that i'm friends with on the office and rain wilson was on our show so but she posted some nasty thing on instagram that day and it wasn't the first time there was something before on twitter what did she post it was like her and two of her girlfriends watching the movie like it was the most horrific experience of their life and i all i want to say is is that my feeling, the way I go, and we've hit a couple of people on Entourage, we've talked about it. They usually are for personal reasons. They're not because I want to go after people's art because it's not what I try to do. Art? And I don't want to make myself the arbiter of what is funny and what is good. So Entourage was an Emmy-nominated show. It won Peabody's and BAFTAs. And to be honest with you, I, I, I don't appreciate another comic really deciding that They can decide what's good. But anyway, why am I still talking about this? Because last night on a show that I didn't even know was still on, they had another thing where they're making fun of us and calling us bros and blah, blah, blah. So what I'll say to Mindy, two things. Number one, we had a ton of amazing females involved with the show from Patty Jenkins, who directed Wonder Woman to Mm -hmm. Ali Musica, who was my right hand writer on this show to many, many others from Emmanuel to Carla Gugina to Janet Montgomery to Constance Zimmer to Perry Reeves, etc. Mm-hmm. But what I'll say to Mindy, why don't you come in? You're a hot writer. Why don't you come in and reboot Entourage in a way that you think would be interesting and would work for whatever thing oh, that you guys would get along famously. I don't even, by <laughs> the way, to a this sounds like a disaster. Star. By the way, she's so good. I don't even need to be involved in this. By she the way, can I take have anxiety over. anxiety <laughs> listening to that pitch. I'm ready to fucking She fall can over take here. over. But anyway, as we all know, what I will say is the last thing on this matter is everybody I've watched for 30 years in this career. I've seen the ups and downs myself. I've seen it with some of my friends who've become the biggest things in the world and evaporated overnight. Everybody always remember there's ups and there's downs and it's a long road and you don't need to waste your time hitting other people. You need to waste, you know, spend your time being productive, being positive and making the world a better. My blood pressure is through the roof after that conversation. I'm literally having an anxiety attack. Give me an edible. Don't have an an anxiety attack. But anyway, I'm being very serious. I like Mindy Kaling's work. I love The Office. One of my favorite shows. She can come in and she can make this female friendly and she can talk to Conley's golf buddy. You're you're dripping. You're the condescending. I'm not. oozing out of your ear. I'm not. Is there anything serious about what you just said there? Would you really want her to come in 100% absolutely 100% 100% try to cross the 405 on Wait, a if you really asked me if you really asked me the question I am I'm 52 years old if you could get like a uh Ryan Coogler went and redid Rocky and reinvented it and reinvigorated this franchise I swear to you if we got a great awesome female writer that could bring a new perspective to this I'm happy to I to like totally honest with you I don't really want to sit in a room again and write an entourage script. I want to be on the set. I want to be with you guys. I want to do mm-hmm. all that stuff. If there was someone who came in and would would do that heavy lifting, I would be thrilled. So I'm not joking. By the way, Ryan yeah. Coogler would be great. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Let's see what Ryan Coogler's well, doing. Well, Connelly, but, uh, we don't want to change the show that much. No, we want to keep it. It's got to be entourage. It can't it's, be. A... It's got to be entourage. And and listen, see, Dylan, the... Dylan, I know what you're saying, but I think if I'm just being totally honest, I think the sentiment or or what have you is that it would have to look a lot different. It would. It would not. I disagree. 
it would have to look slightly different. Listen, not I, a lot different. I believe there's a world that could absolutely work right now. All I'm suggesting is if some young, youthful thing, someone obviously Mindy Kaling's not a fan of the show. Let's get I don't Ryan think Cougar. I don't think she'd be too <laughs> interested. But Connolly was in Rocky Five, so can you make any well, way? John Avildsen directed Rocky Five. I understand, but you have a Rocky. Connection. I rebooted it. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yo. So, by the way, moving to uh, some comedy in this comedy podcast. I thought this was good stuff. <laughs> that we do. No, it is. Yeah, it's it great is stuff. Good. But uh, I before, before I forget, so we had a great episode with Emmanuel. Did you guys know it was Emmanuel's birthday like a couple days no, ago? No, I didn't know. Right. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Emmanuel. Right. So I went through and I was like taking some screenshots of some pictures from these amazing books that Doug gave us when we wrapped that Dylan, Doug did have for you and you didn't show up <laughs> to pick them up. But what, what book? Uh, something these, recent? The photo book. The photo, oh, the photo book. book. Years ago, I never but got But they're it. like a double. I mean, these Someone books. Someone stole it. These books are so 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 beautiful so i, I was I going through with them to get to get some pictures and i was using my phone and taking some screenshots and uh of, of emmanuel so whatever but i was saying doug once again great great present i mean it's it's something i'll have for the rest of my life and yeah, it's amazing. i wish i had Dylan, mine you could probably get it <laughs> How? You could, because it's a file and you could probably place an I, order i have there's two books. I have one for you because for some reason I don't have a lot of book two, but I have a I have a one. I'll bring it in for you. The one book I have is the Blue Entourage. No, no, book. no. That's, that's that came later, right? That's Bush League stuff. Yeah, that yeah. was like professional like... stuff that went in the bookstores that didn't compare to what Claudette Barrios, who was our photographer, oh, and amazing. Great. Tomorrow, these guys are shooting a commercial that came together because of the podcast, and they're going to be making some big money tomorrow. So I got some notes. I got we got to change the script a little bit. You got a nice cushy. Uh, so tell me what. Part. So let's talk about what's what's the problem no, with we, this? It's just right. it's a little wordy. It's a little right. wordy, and uh, but you, I, I like it, a little bro. more humor. You know, I like to make a. You know, we'll find funny okay, moments. But, but but the funny, the yeah. excitement is, though, we're going to see they're not playing E in drama, but Connolly and Dylan are going to be on camera again together for the first time in at least four or five years. Six years, yeah. So, yeah. And who knows? But look, maybe we get cut. Maybe we don't make the final cut. I don't want, you know, it's... Well, because uh, my understanding is that it's uh, a vignette. And for those of you at home that don't know what a vignette is, it's like lots of little pieces, right? So... There's like anything else. There's always a world where, you know, I think you got to prepare yourself that possibly, I don't think so. Cause I think we'll be great, but it's a world where we don't make the cut, which. All right. So we're going to have to it's look also, I don't know if we could say this, don't... but it's also, we're talking about a vehicle that hasn't been totally made produced and it's going to be coming out in the future. Right? I love so, it. I mean, you know, we, you, know, you could cut that if you want. Yeah. I mean, one of the, one of the tragedies of my life is that I could not get that Cadillac from the movie to become uh, a future vehicle. And, uh, right you know, so just but everyone, that thing was a piece of shit. I mean, it was well, a beautiful. They would have dialed it in, and it would have been great. Well, yeah, yeah if they would have put an engine in it, we were sitting on a lawnmower engine, yeah. <laughs> and you started it with two fucking. Remember, we had the yeah, and it had those two, crazy doors that would take your hand off if you got your pants. And you remember, it, like it would get hot all of a sudden. Our asses would, would get hot because yeah. we were all right, but let's 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 explain it first. Okay, the car was not a real car. This was a car that I saw. At a Cadillac event, which it was a test model for concept car, concept car. Mm -hmm. So I asked GM, I actually begged them. I said, can we use this car in the movie? So they got us a car. It could only go 35 or 40 Not miles per even, hour. Dude, I think it topped out at like 22 or 23 miles an hour. <laughs> no, it went a little faster. No, it, it was slow. It had no seat belts. It had uh, the doors, like you said, could could honestly, they couldn't be controlled. I think someone had to come and let you guys in and out yeah, of it, right? They could decapitate you. But it looked beautiful on camera. But I, I don't know, Kevin, maybe you know, when you get a concept car, particularly one that everybody goes, holy shit, how does it work that a car like that doesn't make the market? I don't know. I, I really do. don't. It's kind of like a, you know, great pilots that never get picked up. I, I have no idea I who's making these I decisions. can explain it to you. So, because I spoke to them and I can't tell you. Two things I'll I got. Say. I know I got a lot of calls. I got people saying, yeah. I'll pay this, Me too. I'll pay that. Me too. Everyone wanted one. Well, I got two things I want to say about it. One, you know, there, we've talked about the backlash to the movie. Art? There was some jerk off who literally wrote about the movie was one giant product placement. So let me explain to that guy. I wish I had his name right now. They didn't want that car in the movie because they knew they weren't going to make it. So it wasn't product placement. It was me asking them to do us a favor. And right, they, they were probably trying to push other cars, like, hey, use yeah, this yeah. car. Of course. Yeah. Right. Now, the reason it doesn't come out is because to release a new car is a billion-dollar proposition for Cadillac. If they want to put it out, really? that's a billion-dollar risk. Mm -hmm. And that car, apparently, 
to make it right in the way they wanted, it was going to be like a expensive mm-hmm. eighty to $100,000 automobile. Now, I still argued with them. And then I got the messages from lots of, a- of athletes. I'm trying to remember who specifically, but they wanted that car. And I kept calling them. I'm like, guys, I'm telling you, this is a hit. This is a hit. And I still believe it. And we'll show it in the in the social media clip. The car is beautiful. Yeah. Uh, I will buy it the day it comes out. And it, if that ever happens. And, is that uh, a possibility that one day, maybe down the road? I think that anything is always a possibility. Like the uh, reboot, maybe there will be that car one day. I know mm-hmm. Kevin and I didn't think we were going to get Scott Kahn on this podcast, who is legitimately one of my best friends. We got him, though. He's like the Philip Seymour Hoffman of the show. He he doesn't love the interviews, and he wants his acting to stand for what it is. And uh, But we're going to get him, and we're going to go deep diving with him. Because once upon a time, somehow, and I don't know the details, Kevin Connolly and Scott Kahn ended up rolling around <laughs> in a fight on a football field That's about true. a half a mile from this <laughs> office. So That's we're going to talk true. about he that. broke up a fight. Yeah, yeah, we'll so, talk about it, but he, he, he kind of choked me out. But whatever. I, it's not, it wasn't a, it could have been worse. I've been choked, choked out worse. That's well, for sure. Well, what do you think? Should we go, let's, should we go get Scott Conn? Scott Conn's a fucking black belt in jiu-jitsu. No, 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 I wasn't. Happy to choke By the way, I love, I love the defensiveness of Conley. Sorry, right there. I was just asking if we should go get him on. And yeah, also, like, should we go get him? Yeah. Let's go I get thought him. you were saying, we go, you want to go get him right now? You want a piece of Scott? We'll get I absolutely was not. I was not. I will so, bust him. So but unless I, you got something else to talk about, let's, no, uh, no. I love, I love let's Scott. Let's, Scott, get Scott let's get Scott Conn. All right. We'll be back with Scott Conn in a minute. Welcome back. We got a great guest now. This man, one of my closest friends, was not easy to track down. He's not a podcast guy. Golden Globe <laughs> nominated, star of stage, screen, film, a writer, a an photographer. An Emmy nomination as well. Does he have an Emmy nomination? Yeah. Yeah, why not? Yeah, so <laughs> <are they>? Scott <laughs> Conn. If I knew that my introduction was going to be like this, I would have, I would have come a lot earlier. <laughs> <laughs> You're looking good, Scotty. I got to tell you. First, before we get started, two things. Dominic Lombardozzi saw you on Twitter and wanted to know what, how your hair is holding up so well. So what? what Best hair in Hollywood, by is the this way. Moose Scott, look at that thick gel. I, I, no, no moose, no gel. It's uh, every once in a while a little uh, like waxy paste stuff, but. Just usually just keep it real and natural in, the, in these in these coronavirus days. You well, know? it's looking really good. And then the second thing before we get into like letting you talk a lot is that I, I spoke on this podcast about I only, I only get, came here to listen to you guys talk. I don't want to do too much talking. <laughs> we know we're not going to talk too much, but I only get FaceTimes from a couple of people. My kids, Russell Wilson, and I get a lot of shirtless FaceTime calls from Scott Kahn, which is causing me problems in my house. Can you <laughs> number one, explain why you do this? Um, I don't, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't do it on purpose. Maybe because it bothers you so much. I think I do it because it really it, pisses you it off. It reminds Doug of what kind of shape he's not in. Okay. It's not about reminding me. Do you know that I wake up after my girlfriend saw Khan on the FaceTime two days ago? I wake up and there are dumbbells in the bedroom. So I'm like, I'm just dropping hints at you, Doug. I'm like, Sarah, what's up with this? She's like, what do you think about like, we get into some serious dieting and maybe like Scott Khan gives us a physical like regimen. So what are you doing to keep in such good shape? Uh, <laughs> surfing, surfing. Uh, yeah, there's uh, surfing and uh, just some like kettlebell training and, and all right, jujitsu. All, right. all of also, a sudden, I'm making. By the way, I would like to say, Doug, I'll, I'm going to pump your tires for you. I don't know if anybody can tell, but you're looking at a young, lean Doug Allen who's down ten and ten pounds. Doug, yep, no added sugar diet. I'm down nine nice. and nine and a quarter in ten days. You so. look good, bro. Thank nice. you, I appreciate nice. it. But anyway, Scott is clearly. He's not uncomfortable when we're talking on our own about how handsome he is, but he's uncomfortable right now. So we're going to move on to his and life. These things scare me, man. I'm all, the, the reason I don't do a lot of podcasts, I'm scared. I'm going to say something. People are going to hate me. Everything's so, <laughs> every, so paranoid. You every, know, when we did our pre-interview, when I did my pre-interview with Scott, he said, yeah, I mean, whatever. I mean, I, I, I probably won't be able to get a word in between you and Doug. Is what he said. <laughs> hey, that's my life, Scott. I can't get a word in with these guys. Yeah. Well, everybody, no. everybody loves you, Scotty, and they're excited to see you. I posted you on Instagram, and we have like 400 comments in about an hour that wanted to talk to you. So anyway, you know, we want to talk about multiple things from Varsity Blues, Ocean's Eleven, et cetera. But obviously, we like to focus on your experience with us and with Entourage and 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 how that came together. Do you remember some of those moments? Yeah, I just I mean, I'd never done television before, so it was my first experience with television. And then one of the main reasons why I agreed to do Hawaii Five O is because I had just done Entourage and I had such a good time that I, I thought, like, this is what television is like. And it's not. <laughs> why? Was there a difference? Yeah, I mean, I it's just 
it wasn't as fun. I mean, listen, I had a I had a good run and I'm not complaining about it, but you guys really had an amazing atmosphere, great set, great people everywhere. Everybody seemed like they were having fun all the time and I don't think that it's always like that, you know. No, um, it's not. But I'm not I'm not just making a joke. Like I I legitimately thought like, "Oh, this is what doing a TV show is. This is great. I would definitely do this again." And there's also a difference from a half-hour show to an hour show. It's a lot easier doing a half-hour like ours, multi-camera. And also, yeah, I also came in in season six. You guys already had like the food trucks everywhere, and yeah, all, yeah. you know everything. Yeah. I'm also, sure it wasn't like that season one. Scott, but. you you mentioned to me when we were talking about um, the difference between uh, you know Entourage. We we were we would play things in masters, and mm-hmm. and you know we would kind of the cameras weren't necessarily aren't always really in your face, right? It's almost sort of like acting on stage to a certain extent, right? It's you got kind of freedom to a move lot of around. Wonders. Where you told me a story how on Hawaii Five O, if an actor looked over their shoulder the other way, he'd be like, "Wait, wait, wait! Don't don't look over your shoulder because yeah. then you got to bring the camera around and you got to cover that, right? You have to cover everything." Yeah, network TV. I mean, I don't know if it's all networks, but certainly on like these procedural shows, if your eyes, if the camera can't see your eyes, they they have to set up a close up so that every line you say, you your eyes are you know, dead center. So you can't like throw a line away and walk away. And so, yeah, season one, two, or, you know, not paying attention to that stuff. By the time three and four comes around, you know, we're going, no, no, don't, 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 you know, don't look that way. If you look Are you that really way, sure you want to look over your shoulder? <laughs> yeah. You're don't really sure? Yeah. Yeah. Well, we definitely shot more filmic like, but you brought up a good question that, that actually some people were asking me to ask you about, but what, how is it, first of all, the differences between starting a show, which was essentially your show with a couple other stars, and then coming into a show season six that's established where you really, I mean, I know you know Kev and Kev and maybe Jer- Jerry as well, actually. I think you did a movie with Jerry, didn't you? I think yeah. You, yeah. So, I mean, but still, how is it coming on? What's the differences between the two and how was it coming on to, you know, a somewhat successful show in season six? I mean, again, I think you guys had something really special and I don't, I don't think that, comparing coming on to your show is comparable to going on to other shows. I mean, like you said, I knew Kevin, I knew Kevin, I knew Jerry, I knew you, but it, I, I felt like I was just going to work with my friends. Um, and I feel like that was how you guys set it up. I mean, that was the vibe. I never, I've never heard anybody say they worked on Entourage and didn't have a good time. Like, mm-hmm. I think that was the vibe of the show. I think that's another reason why the show was so good and so successful is the the whole idea was it was, it was fun to be around and, you know, people enjoyed watching these dudes have fun all the time and, mm-hmm. you know, enjoying life. So you guys really did a good job of setting that up. Um, but I, I, I don't I couldn't compare it to anything. I mean, I, it was it was one of the better experiences I've, I've ever had. I mean, you know, you you asked me to come do it and I did it. And I called you after that first scene with Kevin when we were walking down the hallway with the apple and everything. And I called you that night and said, write more for me. You know, I want to do more of this because, you know, I didn't know what I was stepping into and it was you know just that that first day i said this is the most fun i've had shooting anything in 10 years you know so yeah and i think i mean i think you come from scott's a playwright scott's done lots of theater and you know it was always important to me to be honest that the actors were the most important thing we didn't design shots around shots we designed the shots around the actors and where they were going to move so i think that worked but do you remember i mean because our first meeting was at dantana's that's the first time we we actually met and uh you know, Scott, I think I, I need to clear something up because I don't even know if it's true. Did, no, that's that. We'll get to that in a second. But did you did you ever were you ever approached about early on about doing this show in season one? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But we didn't meet, did we? No. And you, in, you insist that it wasn't true. I, I, I told you that they asked me to come test for Kevin's part. And uh, for some whatever reason, it didn't happen. And you said, no, that's that didn't happen. Well, so that's no better than me. No, I wouldn't. I mean, that's Kevin Connolly's part we're talking about. But I, I wouldn't know because they might have made calls like that. I, you know, obviously casting is is trying to bring options and do this thing. And it would have been an interesting thing. I actually tried to do my next pilot that I did after Entourage. I was desperate to have Scott Con in and he was unavailable, which a lot of people also are like, why wasn't Scott in the movie? The simple answer is Scott was doing Hawaii Five O, <laughs> getting Golden Globe nominations, making a lot of money, and surfing on the beaches in Hawaii, so he was not available. But our first meeting, we met at Dan Tana's, and I wanted you to play Seth Green's role. I wanted you to basically torture Kevin Con- or E. I wanted you. Do you remember when we when we sat down? Yeah. And I didn't know you at all at that point, so we just sat down and had this meeting. 
And I'm pretty sure when you left, you were like, that jerk off didn't want to do it, right? You badmouthed me, right? Probably. No, I mean, <laughs> honestly, I loved you. I think I called Connolly right after, and I was like, oh, I better not. You know, Connolly and Con, just so you know, I talk about this. Like, Con is like the Jewish version of Connolly. I mean, they're both like incredibly disciplined, funny, but also they got they got their pride and they're hot-headed a little bit. So I wanted you to play this part where you were going to basically terrorize E and you were going to make fun of him, just like Seth Green ultimately ended up doing. And do you remember what you said, Scott? I, I, I don't. I, I don't. <laughs> yeah, no. He, listen, <laughs> you, you said you, you didn't want to get beat up. You didn't want to get beat up by Connolly. And listen, listen, <laughs> here's the deal. I didn't want to get beat up by Seth Green. And I've said that I said it then. And I'll say it again. Scott Kahn is a fucking black belt in jujitsu. I don't have a problem not beating up Scott Kahn. But Seth Green, I, I mean, you know, come on. You, you got know, that so one, huh? so Scott's a real martial artist. Oh, the I dude's know. a black belt. He choked me out of the friendly football game on New Year's Eve <laughs> 20 years ago. It, we're gonna get I, into but, that, but it's just so funny to think behind the scenes, like we're talking about people like playing parts, but Scott was going to be playing Scott Kahn. And I think that was also part of it. You didn't really want to play Scott Kahn, which is. Yes. Fair. Yeah. Yeah. I fair mean, enough. I like the story, the story, your story is better, but the truth of the matter is, is like, <laughs> if you're playing yourself, then you gotta, you gotta think about those things. Like, yeah. all right, do I, do, do I want to, you know, but, but, the, but they happen in different ways also, <laughs> because, you know, I did a rewrite of this movie grudge match. I have nothing to do with it. I don't take credit or, or blame. Well, for they didn't you, use your pages, whatever you think of it. But there was a call I got late in the game that like Stallone and De Niro, they both don't want to lose the fight. And I'm like, well, I, I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how to write that. And I don't ultimately know who won or lost, but they weren't playing themselves. So sometimes actors, I.E. Connolly didn't want to get beat up by Seth Green, but it was E that was going to get beat up by Seth Green. But I, but I just thought it was ridiculous because, like, I think you could go, yeah, E or Kevin Connolly is not a, a black belt in jiu-jitsu. Scott Conn is. Yeah. Seth Green. Yeah, but didn't but didn't didn't Kevin end up getting the best of him at the end of that episode? No, Seth Green said, "Look, I am doing a favor by doing your show. I don't want to get beat up." And I said, "Okay, that's great." but neither do I. Right. So Scott, the craziest thing is Kevin, I don't know if you remember this. We'll get into this when we cover the episode, but when we did this fight scene, we show up on the set in the morning and our stunt doubles are yeah, acting out, mapped the fight. out already. Yeah. So I'm like sitting there with my coffee and I'm like watching guys get thrown over the railing. And I literally said, who's that's that guy that just got launched over the railing. They were like, Oh, that's you. I said, fuck it is no way. I'm not doing it. I said, Doug, I'm not doing it. And when you want to have Seth Green and I like disappear off into a corner and you don't know what happens. Great. But I'm, I'm happy to not be a winner, but I cannot be a loser. I already get crucified about Seth Green. And I got to tell you, Scott, as a director, who, which you are, and as a writer, I mean, this day was one, it was one of the most stressful days it of really my was. life. And honestly, we came up with that Kevin Dillon was going to jump in with the punch. That wasn't in there till, till I thought late. that was scripted. It was really, okay. really late. So... Uh, but anyway, Connolly brought up something that we got to get into, which is the most important thing for this podcast is we want to talk your career, but we want to talk our personal relationships and things like that. So Connolly, I don't have a career, so <laughs> <laughs> you've had a nice little run, buddy. 11 seasons of Hawaii Five-0, four, uh, two seasons ten. of Entourage, right? Ten, two, ten. ten seasons of Hawaii Five-0. But Jesus. What, three of Entourage. What happened at La Cienega Park <laughs> in a pickup tackle football game in 1998 with Kevin Connolly? Do you remember this, Scott? I, I, I honestly do not remember. All right, I'm gonna, <laughs> I'll refresh your memory. So it was December 31st, wow. 1998. And I know this because it was New Year's Eve turning 99 that, later that night. I get invited to play game, tackle football game with Scott and his friends. We get there. Full tackle. Full yeah, tackle. full tackle. Yeah, we get there nice. and it becomes obvious real quick that this isn't much of a game. I mean, <laughs> we were down 35 nothing. I'm like, this is ridiculous. You're just out there trying not to get killed. Scott's <laughs> killing people, all this kind of stuff. And what happened was I was wearing uh, a buddy of mine left it. Uh, my friend Frankie Rignola from Long Island. He had left a T-shirt at the house. I was wearing it. So on the back of my shirt, it said Rignola, right? An Italian name. Yeah. So one of Scott's teammates is like, I don't know, he, he and I are jawing off and he, he's like making Italian slurs at me. He's like, yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Penne pasta, whatever. He's like, All these things. I'm, like, I'm the most <laughs> Irish person in two square miles. I don't know what this guy's talking about. It later dawns on me that, oh shit, it says Rignola on the back of my jersey. Long story short, this guy and I finally 
we just right meet up at the line. We start rolling around on the floor and we're fighting, right? <laughs> and Scott very calmly gets on top of me and he basically puts me in a rear naked chokehold and <laughs> and whispers into my ear, Kevin, let him go or you're going out. <laughs> let him go or you're going out. And I was like, wow, that was the... Because I've been choked out a few times, but never so politely. <laughs> Scotty, you have no recollection of this whatsoever? I mean, v- v- vaguely, but I mean, I, I, but I'm, I'm glad to know that it was gentle. It wasn't no, like No, and also right? too, Scott, you told me this one day, you said the best thing about being a martial artist is that you can defend yourself without getting in trouble, right? You, well, without hurting yeah, somebody. Ju- you can grab somebody, spe- choke them out and lay them down on the sidewalk. <laughs> yeah, jujitsu specifically, right? Right. You know, you don't, you don't have to kick or punch. But I do not remember that. But Kevin, I've always, I've always, you know, liked you very much. So I, I assume that even Whispered. then, in the heat of it all, I was being, I was, I was being like breaking up the fight. Not but you were one million percent breaking it up, and you whispered very softly into my ear. It's very nice choke out. I appreciate it. In a naked <laughs> chokehold from behind. I mean, that was weird. Scott has a very like good disposition in fighting. Even Scott, you seem to be able to kind of which I thought you brought to the character of Scott Lavin on Entourage too. You, you bring an incredible energy, but you don't, you don't seem to put a lot of rage and anger into it. So I, when you're fighting or when you're doing a, a, an angry performance, does it, does it, is it really there or is it more performance? Wait a minute. You mean, am I really, if I I'm have saying to be- it both, if you had a fight, if you were choking out Connolly, were you really that calm? I mean, when you're getting in like a scrap in the middle of a football field on La Cienega park, or are you kind of like, he was breaking it up. Yeah. Yeah. I was breaking it up, but I, I think, uh, I mean, we're, this is going to get a little deep for this podcast maybe, but I feel like, uh, if you're, if you're super confident, you know, that's what the idea of being, you know, really good at some sort of, you know, fighting. The idea is that, your ego and your energy doesn't get a hold of you and you're able to stay relaxed and, you know, take care of something without going, losing your mind so, a little bit. So, so let so. me ask you, so just to summarize that you were super confident that Conley wasn't getting up from that chokehold. I was on, I was rolling around with another dude, Doug. I'll choke you out right here. <laughs> oh, right <here. laughs> far less, um, far less scary than Scott's saying. And a no, naked yeah, chokehold no, from behind. Fight, so, like you ever see those guys that are like, screaming and they're yelling and there's you know they're about to get into a fight that dude that's screaming and yelling is probably going to get knocked out because yeah. he's scared right yeah. you know what i mean he's shook he's he's that that's the guy if you're super confident you you don't need to do all of that so i think as far as like you know if i read a scene where it says the guy's supposed to threaten the other guy the last thing in the world i want to do is be like threatening i right. want to just let him know you fuck with me, you got trouble. You right. know what I mean? Yeah. That right. to me, that's scarier, right? Yeah. Like, what have, what have that, been some fight scenes you've done in movies? I think you had a fight scene in Boiler Room, didn't you? I'm oh, he had to... a couple. Yeah, in Boiler Room. Yeah. 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 Well, didn't you break the uh the Allosaurus skull too, right? Wasn't that a fight scene? Oh, no, yeah. That, that was, oh, was me. me and Kevin were about to get Yeah, you and it, Kevin right? did a fight scene. I was going back to 98, bro. I was taking it back to 98. I threw him against that dinosaur head. Yeah. yeah and I put, got, yeah, that's, I got that one was, in my house. You have one too, Doug, right? I don't have one, but I, I, uh, I just saw one of those on uh first dibs for like $67,000 or something. If you want to sell that thing, Kevin. <laughs> no way. Yeah. <laughs> no, believe me, by the I'll, way, I'll sell it for by that. the way, Kevin's going to be on eBay right after this podcast <laughs> for that. But yeah, I, no, I think those go. How um, nice. That's good to know. How was yeah, the- I think Ke- I think in that fight, Kevin got the best of me. He like threw me across the room and I smashed shoved into yeah. the thing, and that was the end of the episode. Well, I shoved you, and Dylan was mad because he didn't want you to break the dinosaur head. No, <laughs> I wanted a perfect break. I told the whole crew, hey, make a big deal about no, there this. Were only- there was three of them. No, there were only four left. There were like two or three of them, and Kevin was there like, was three. just please. Let- Doug is like, I'm keeping one, and if the break goes good, you could have this, the, uh, the other Guys, one. Guys, please so, get it in two. So please I told the whole crew to say that was perfect. The camera, the focus puller, the everyone. Dylan was like, that looked good to me. That was I great. Think we moved. You're never getting better than that. <laughs> so we have to refresh that this was, I don't know, season six, seven. I season sw- seven. Yeah. I swear to you guys, I'm a little freaked out. I, I don't even remember this. You don't remember the dinosaur Scott, head? Do, I remember the dinosaur head. I don't remember Scott and E having a physical altercation. It was over yeah. like Vince and they the cocaine this and all that. Billion billion year old skull. <laughs> I, I mean, I swear I don't remember that. So really? I'm like, I mean, so did we did we stunt coordinate that? I mean, like, no, yeah, Scott. Well, yeah, no, there was a stunt away. man. No, there was no stunt man. I shoved him. Scott no, he just shoved me. Yeah, I shoved him. He hit the dinosaur head. 
And it was at that house in Encino. It was the Sasha Gracie's. And it was the. It was I still the think there was season. a coordinator there that day because I remember talking to him about the T Rex skull. Yeah. Well, it's so, a formality. Well, so Scott, I mean, so just some questions about when you come on to Entourage. I don't even know. Had you, had you seen episodes before you came on? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, because obviously there's some. You're going to come into this part, which you brought what you bring to it. But, you know, in the writing, there's obviously some similarities with the Ari characters. So do you come in and you go, OK, how am I going to separate out from that? Or or what's your thought process when you're when you're doing that? Uh, you know, I, I, I mean, listen, I, and I'm not just saying this because I'm here. You know, Doug, I, you know, I think you're a really, really great writer. You're one of my favorite writers. Thank and you. I think that when for me, when I read something. If I immediately go, uh, you know, if I don't got to think too much of how to do this, not only do I know it's good writing, I also know that I'm right for it. And another thing about the Seth Green part, when I read it, I just nothing aside from getting beaten, beaten up by Connolly, I, the, the, uh, nothing's, I didn't read it and go, oh, yeah, I got to do this. And I told you that in that thing. I said, please, I, want, I, I would love to be on the show. Just come come back to me with something. When I read that. That next thing that you, you know, for the Scotty Lavin part, I just read it and thought, okay, I can do this tomorrow. And I feel like as actors, that's when we're, we're at our best. You know, when we read something and our first read of it is, mm-hmm. you know, we, we got it right away. I think that's when we're going to be our best. When you can find something that you can put the most of yourself into, that's when you're going to be the best. And I read that part and thought like, oh, I got this. I know what to do. And you did. You um, you killed it. Is there anything, though, that you use for outside? You've been in the business for whatever, 20, 30 years. Is there any person, any influence that you use to inform this character? Or was it just something you saw in yourself and just brought it out? Yeah, I don't do that. I don't do that a ton either unless it calls for it, like a specific characterization or if there's a walk or an accent or anything like that. I generally, I, I generally either just you know, figure out a way to make everything honest and justify it. And then I just go forward and find, you know, you talk about people who can kind of be jerk offs, but they're likable still too. And I feel like you wrote that role really. I don't know. I I just think it was written well and I vibed with it. No, I didn't do a lot of thinking about it. You know, for everyone out there, it is one of the hardest things to do that, that Scott is incredibly good at, which was being this aggressive you know, asshole, to be honest with you, but he, he comes off extremely lovable and that I don't, you know, that's an intangible. I'm not sure that's something that you can really like act into a performance. I don't know what you guys think, but I think that's something that is from within you that just makes you have this likability that is it's, you know, it's, it's not the easiest thing to do to be likable when you're doing kind of nasty things, but I think people really responded to that character. So I want to talk about other things though, that's going on with you. Are you, and people are asking you doing any music anymore. Scott was a a hip hop artist back in the day that was touring when he was what? 18, 19 years old. 16. Wow! Oh man, he was a nightmare. That that was scary. That was scary, Scott Con back. In the that's world. what. Yes, Holy that's man. when I. That's when I was. A, that's when I was a jerk off without Jesus the charming part. Jesus Christ! You know? it's so hard to me you to visualize Scott that. And his buddies coming through the club. You're like, let's get the fuck out of here. Why? What? Why they was were. That? They were. They were. You know, a little rough around the edges. Yeah. These guys. They were like right? Hollywood bullies. They really were. They what? were actor uh, bullies. <laughs> I, but I wasn't friends with any actors. I mean, certainly weren't friends with us. <laughs> it's so strange for me to think about that because Scott is is very sweet, but it is uh, you know he's got that trigger in there. It's a so. surfer thing too, a little bit too. Surfers are tough. Yeah, but you also I feel like back then it was always something to prove. You know, I've older, seen like, Scott oh, roll around the street, Sunset Boulevard. With like giant dudes and bottles and the whole nine yards and uh, and just like let's just get the fuck out of here. <laughs> this we used to roll up to clubs and the club owners, the, me and my friends, would walk in and they go, "Not tonight, please, <laughs> please, not tonight." So strange to me, nice. but still. So Scott, any music anymore at all? Every once in a while, I mess around. You know, my buddy. By the way, Alchemist was my partner uh, back then. I was in a group with him. He just got nominated for a Grammy. Right, um, unbelievable. And, uh, Every once in a while, I'll stop by his studio and he'll say, hey, you got some bars and I'll, you know, I'll, I'll mess around. But no, oh, I don't. Please, I don't. Scott, let us put one of those in the 
And that social clip. Oh, uh, yeah, we can do it. We don't even need his permission. We can just use that. I mean, he's got yeah, music go out there. Scott Conn has music out there. I so. want to hear recent bars, though. <laughs> I, I mean, I, put, I did a song with on the Step Brothers record, but that was like four years ago. And you don't miss it? Touring? Any of that? I miss the fun part of it, but I don't really think it was my, you know, I don't, I don't know how... Re- if I, you know, if I do 16 bars every three years, I can come up with something good, but making an album, I don't know. I don't think I, I, I got it like that. Well, it's cool. It's very cool that you did that. I mean, obviously you grew up in the business, your dad, which, you know, just more bringing back the connections of our, of our friendship and family. I actually live in the house that your dad, actor nominated legend James Conn lived in, but was he influential in your life in, in getting into the business and getting into acting? Yeah, he said, don't do it. (laughs) Like, said anything but do that. Did he say that? Yeah. I mean, he wanted me to play, he wanted me to play shortstop for the Yankees, but he, he never talked highly about the business. He never, he downplayed being an artist. He thought anybody who called themselves an artist was pretentious. You know, he'd be like, Picasso was an artist. I'm not a fucking artist, you know? So he, he, he really downplayed it. But it's funny because he, he is such an artist, you know? Mm hmm. And he's, he, um, you know, he's like a, a tough, a tough guy from the Bronx, grew up, you know, born in the Bronx, grew up in Queens. And then, you know, he's like, has ballet slippers. Right. You know what I mean? It's like, it doesn't, it doesn't go. So I think he constantly always tried to say that everybody in the business, you know, were, were goofs and it wasn't for me. You know, he just, he definitely pushed me away from it. He said, if you ever turn out to be one of these California kids, I'll kill you. (laughs) You know, he he was, he was really anti Hollywood, but I think, I think he, um, I mean, it's the same thing, you know, Kevin talking about me being a punk when I'm 17 showing up in clubs. It's not who I was. I was just, I felt like I had something to prove. And I think my dad never, I mean, my dad got into rodeo. He was a rodeo cowboy because he said that he said it was, it was, it was, you know, a cleaner living. Than, live it, than doing Hollywood, you know what I mean? Like running around right. and diving into cow shit was cleaner than being an actor, you know? So I think he, he, he pushed away from it and he certainly pushed me away from it. And he never, we never talked about the business and it's only till I started writing plays and then he'd come see my plays that he started, you know, seeing that, it, or at least he thought that I had talent as a writer. So that, that's when he really, you know, respected what I, what I was doing. But yeah, he definitely did not, Say go be an actor, you know? right? And he did legend. anything but that. Absolute legend. I was lucky to work with him. My brother Matt worked with him as well. I love you, Dad. Wait, wait. I, I don't know this. What did you work with him on? Yeah, a little something. Matt, Matt directed <laughs> it, great. right? Nothing great. We're not going to mention it, but but anyway, for Matt, anyone yeah, out Matt, there, Matt directed him. And what? He loved yeah. your brother, man. Yeah, yeah, they're buddies. And uh, it was called City of Ghosts. They shot in Cambodia. And your dad's great. He's absolutely great in this movie. Good yeah. movie. And obviously everyone check out James Conn and everything from Misery to The Godfather to Honeymoon in Vegas to yeah. Thief to 8 million other things. Uh, and I'll, t- I'll tell I you something. I'll, I'll t- yeah, Thief's my favorite. But Kevin, my dad, and I, he'll probably give me a slap if he know that I said this publicly, but he generally doesn't have like great experiences. Like he'll usually he'll come off of movies and someone he will dislike somebody or something went wrong. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. on that movie... Even though it was like, I remember it was a pain in the ass for him to get from the from the hotel to the set. It was like up a mountain. It was three yeah, hours of travel. Yeah. But yeah. he really, um, he had nothing but nice things to say about your brother. So yeah, they they hit it off. They're good buddies. It's nice, Scotty. Did you study acting? I did. Like, what did you do? I mean, did you go school or just classes? Yeah, or? I was a uh, I was a theater group called Playhouse West um, for on and off for like fifteen years. I still mm-hmm. I just did a play there last year. That you didn't come see that I invited you to. <laughs> nice, Doug. There was a pandemic. I didn't get the invite, so <laughs> there was a pandemic. <laughs> was it during yes, you did, Kevin. I I'll, did? I'll show you the invite on my phone. I'll pull it up right no now. No way. Yeah, no, you I, too. I, you too, I, Connolly. I invited I you as well. I, let me tell I missed you something. it somehow. I, and I you know what Connolly, Connolly writes? Every time I invite Connolly to a play, he says, be there. Question, <laughs> exclamation. I never see him. Well, let me tell you why. It was the pandemic. Because do you remember, Doug? We had the conversation. We were going to go. We were going to go. That is we, true Doug story. Doug and I were confirmed going to go to the play. And then because of what was going on, we opted out. 
Yeah. It was June of 2019. What are you talking <laughs> well, we about? We heard, we knew it was coming on. You know? First of all, I've, I've seen did he Scott. Say, just, did he say we knew it was coming? Yeah, Connolly sees it to the future. I was hearing things. I got connections at the CDC. I knew it was getting dicey. I so got to jump right. out I got you. quarantine. Hey, Connolly saw podcasts coming. He saw pandemics coming before they ever happened. But, but I, have, Doug, I have. Something happened. There was a reason why we didn't go. What was it? I don't remember the reason, but I have seen Scott in at least two of your plays, at least. And uh, we've actually written some stuff together and we're, we're trying to do something. I'm trying to figure out, you know, I'm doing this, you know, and stop guys. I'm doing this day ones uh, football, international football show. And I have Scott, I've been begging him to like work on a British accent. Cause I think he could just kill something in this thing. Oh, he so could do that for sure, mate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to get him to actually commit to uh, work. Of course you will. I told you I've been working on it. Oh, uh, well, I didn't want to, I didn't want to like say it publicly. Why? Uh, yeah. no, no, I'm certainly not going to do it right now. <laughs> I would kill for you to do it right now. I mean, the audience <laughs> sure would love to thing, see that. Mate, absolutely. I'm just going to say, I didn't want to say it. I didn't want to say it. Cause I, I, I don't, it's not my place to do it, but Scott's given me like just some brief Cockney stuff. And again, I'm not the uh, judge of a great Cockney accent, but he, like Janet Montgomery, when she was on the show, he transforms himself in one second. And I am like, oh, my God. Khan looks like a guy from Manchester and the whole thing. just it's He pretty- does. Well, he does look like a, he played soccer. Let me States. ask you this. Is this like a snatch, like Cockney, like snatch, like slang, like uh it's, it's going to be a little, hopefully a little easier to dissect because there are so many dialects in that area and some of them are so impossible for us to kind of comprehend. But uh, I'm working on that and I got, you know, I got Darren Dean, who's Thierry Henry's manager, making sure we get accents correct. But uh, what, whatever Scott's thing that he's doing, I would say, Scott, maybe I'm not correct. It's, it's whatever accent I think that Ben Kingsley kind of put on in uh, Sexy Beast. That area of London, I think. What would you say? All right, Scott doesn't know. I would. I would refer to my Southern accent in the Notebook. (laughs) (laughs) That's an accent, bro. Scott, give us two seconds of freaking Cockney. No, absolutely not. (laughs) I don't blame you. I don't blame you either. It's not ready for air yet. It's not ready for air. Actors don't put it out until it's ready. It's like a fine wine. It's like blue. That's steel. the thing. Doug's like, just put something on. I don't care if it's bad or good. I'm going, Doug. <laughs> we gotta have, you know. I, the truth is, I just get excited. I do. I, I mean, this. These guys, like all three of these guys, are close friends of mine. Who everything they did in the roles. I mean, this seriously. There's no one on earth who would have been better for these parts, and it was kind of like perfect uh, chemistry. And when I did meet, appreciate you, Scott, you, mate. And when <laughs> when I did meet Scott at Dantana's that first night, it's weird to think who who I think he is now and who I thought he was that night because you were a freaking amped up, aggressive little fucker, man. I was like, I what? <laughs> yeah. oh, he was intense. He was just intense, and he's still intense, but he's got a very soft, sweet side to him. And uh, I don't know. I, I think this was great. And Scott, he swears he's not coming back, but he is coming back. We're going to bring him back. We're actually, uh, we're going to do one live from Hawaii, I think, Scott. So we're going to, we're going to get you to come to the Four Seasons in Hawaii and we're going to do a live podcast from there. We'd, I'm in. Can, I'm uh, in. All right. Scott's All right. probably, he's probably juiced in in Hawaii, right? I oh, think. yeah. The Spago in the Four Seasons in Maui is actually an awesome restaurant, which we're all going to go and eat at together. So, is that where we went? That's where we went. Yeah, it was great. That's when where we got you. When oh we got my you God. High? You want to talk about that? You got him high? That was the first time I was high in years. Talk I, about a gateway drug. He's been stoned ever since. Yeah, I lost edibles before the show. I lost my mind at dinner with Scott. I mean, I, I don't know if you remember it well, but <laughs> oh, I, I do. It was great. I got very yeah. paranoid. You, he thought that there was a conspiracy that the waitress was trying to fuck with him. He was losing his mind. What did she say? Did you hear what she said? She has my room key. She's coming for me. Do you remember? She comes over to the table and we have so Scott and I can eat a lot for thin people. I mean, we were the table was overwhelmed with stuff. So she offered to take away the candles. And she's like, do you mind if I take away the candles? And I was like, why would I mind? Like, what, what, like what, what, what do you mean? And, and then I kept asking Scott, like, why does she keep asking if I mind? If you, well, like, what's it my business about the candle? He's but like, he, the- literally, he literally ended up like it was like a bad mushroom trip. Like, <laughs> he was losing his mind for like three hours. And then at eight in the morning, he calls me. He goes, yo, bring that weed back. <laughs> <laughs> That's what happens. It's awesome. Well, anyway, Scotty, we love you for doing this. We're going to bring guys. you back. You We're going to go Scott. to Hawaii. You know, Scott, another thing he does, Scott teaches disabled correct people had to surf yeah. 
and kids with special nice, needs. Nice. And I try to I try to surf in Hawaii, and I felt close to disabled. So when we I go to Hawaii, see that, <laughs> when we go to Hawaii, let's all surf. Yeah, you're let's gonna have to it. you're gonna have we're to teach me how to surf. Okay, so all right, we'll, we'll tandem. So uh, we love you, and uh, we're gonna I'm gonna get you to work on that British accent, and we will talk to you soon, Scott. Thanks so much, and we're gonna get your dad on this podcast. By the way, yes. I spoke to him about it, so we're gonna awesome. get James. Appreciate you, Scott. Scotty. <laughs> thanks, mate. Thanks, for thanks on, bro. Mate. You're the best, Scotty. Uh, thanks, so uh that I mean that was awesome. That was and fun. having Scott is is really great. And also, again, it really speaks to what the show was behind in front of the cameras. Friendships that have lasted now mm-hmm. somewhere between sixteen and and whatever amount of years, but that was yeah. a lot of fun. So awesome. Yeah. By, by the way, Doug, I want to say one more thing about cars. We were talking about the the car in the movie, the yeah. Cadillac. Do you remember season one? We had the Hummer, the yellow Hummer. Yeah, I love it. You that. got rid of that car because you're like, oh, it's a gas guzzle. That we was, look like idiots. That was the backlash. That was our first backlash. Like, well, now they're making an electric Hummer. Wow. And it is badass. Oh, so I, I just want to tell you for the reboot, we could be doing it right. We're going to be an, an electric, electric vehicle and, and the Hummer again with Turtle driving the Hummer. You know what you the do? yellow Hummer. You know what you do? What's your it? next move right after this, you call Mindy Kaling. You tell her you got the car for the show and we're going to be eco-friendly, female. Yes. Friendly. Look, he's so upset. Yeah, Why no, are you upset I mean, about this? I, I mean, no, I'm, I'm actually looking at, I'm looking at the Hummer right now. It's <laughs> badass, dude. It is is that good, That is the coolest looking car, looking car I've seen it's in a, a long time. Car, and that's electric and it goes fast and it does It's got a thousand horsepower. That's crazy. Oh, wow. I got to see it. I got to see it. It's insane. Did you get backlash over the yellow Hummer? Yeah, we got a lot of backlash. And by the way, I was all for it because it really is hard to think about in 2003, people People weren't thinking about environment, this and that. And then, like, by 2005, they were yeah. like, are you out of your fucking mind letting yeah. them drive a Hummer You're around? like, we so- got to get rid of this. We look like idiots. Did yes. you get more heat for the yellow Hummer or for the bumper sticker that said, I love cock on the back? Of the you know what? That is, that was no, that that really never came back as a as a problem. And and I think I did mention that, but that was a, a great thing that Chris Henchy did to me when I was working on the oh, Bonnie really Hunt show. Oh, he put that on my car. And I was driving around. This is 2004. I was driving around for an hour. People are are pointing at me and looking at me, and I'm being <laughs> what the, the fuck is going yeah, on? and I'm being the asshole New Yorker. Like what, what, what? <laughs> and I finally pulled over. And I, I honestly, I haven't laughed that That's hard. Pretty good. That's a good. That what? is good. It's a good harmless prank. And you know what? I got him back because he was married to Brooke Shields. I had a professional license plate uh, frame made that said I'm Brooke Shields' husband and I put it on his car <laughs> and he drove around with that. So anyway, with that that wraps up another episode of Victory the Podcast. I'm Doug Allen. You can follow us at Victory the Podcast. I'm Kevin Dillon at Kevin Dillon Official. Victory! Ryan Coogler. Call us. Oh, please. Please do. Put your hands up. Reach the sky on the field with the hooligan skill. I got